Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. You kept going and rolling along in glory while I was gone, and uh, somebody asked me, doesn't that make you feel bad like you're useless? I'm like, no, that makes me feel great. That makes me feel great. Plus, Chris Jimerson was there holding everything together. together as Unitarian Universalists, and our roots are in an, an ancient tradition where the belief is that there's a spark of the divine in every person. And sometimes even some of us believe that there's a spark of the divine in every being. And so the way that we greet the holy in our midst is we turn to the person to the right and left and welcome them here this morning. Will you say with me the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith? Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Our call to worship this morning is called Visions, and it's by me. We gather to see more, our individual perspectives expanded by placing them together in worship of that which is larger than us, but of which we are a part. We celebrate our differences, holding them up as the blessings we give to one another. We gather to know more. 
to feel more, to experience more than that which any of us may know, feel, and experience in solitude. We gather to sing. We gather to raise our spirits to higher elevations. We gather to gain a collective vision of love and justice fulfilled. We gather to worship together. I've been reading a book by a man named Seth Godin. About, uh, it's called Tribes. And he says a tribe of people is a voluntary association of people who come together um, with, one, with, a, with an idea that motivates them and with a leader and with a way to communicate. And the idea that motivates this tribe is our mission statement. And you all wrote it uh, six years ago. This is my seventh year starting. And we, um, by we I mean y'all, decided to revisit the mission every seven years. So here we go. It's up for revisitation. And we love it, and we are going to talk about it. I'm going to preach about it, and we may want to change it a little. We may want to leave it the same. We don't know. So one of the things that we do in order to remind ourselves, what are we doing here, is we say this mission together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Our reading today is called The Wisdom Tree, and it's by someone named Meg Barnhouse. (laughs) I dragged myself to the early morning theme talk, even though it was the last day of a week at church camp, and I was tired from staying up late, singing with friends, and dancing my full head off. A panel of old-timers was talking about the early days of Susie, Southeastern UU Summer Institute, but nobody calls it that which has now grown to nearly a 1,000 Unitarian Universalists coming together every July on the campus of Virginia Tech. Here is the story that stuck in my mind. Roger Comstock, the former district executive of our Thomas Jefferson District, is the one who told it. There was a teacher who used to come to the camp every summer, a man who could transform himself into Thomas Jefferson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, or Theodore Parker in turn. He would bring his class to sit under a large oak tree out on the quad, and the conversation would range over history, philosophy, and theology. Summer after summer, folks would look forward to that class, to sitting under what they came to call the wisdom tree. They would look forward to having the kind of conversations where you hear and even say things yourself that surprise and delight you. One summer night, during the church camp, a storm came through. As the people slept, winds and rain whipped the campus. Lightning flashed and struck hard. It struck close. Daylight revealed the wisdom tree scattered in splinters on the ground. As the ground's crew came to clear it away, church people came from every corner of the campus to circle round. One by one, they asked to take a piece of the tree home with them. The story struck me. It makes such a good picture of who we UUs are. There is a broad and spreading wisdom available to us which shows up in history, theology, 
poetry, music, art, scripture, conversation, nature, and ritual. Individuals have a spark of the divine inside, an inner wisdom that, related to sanely, responsibly, and in community, will lead to truth and peace. Sometimes the place where you used to find wisdom gets destroyed. People fail you. A church disappoints you. New information strips away your feeling about a scripture. It's as if your wisdom tree is lying in splinters. In the aftermath of such a coming apart, we are tempted to take our piece of wisdom home with us and stick it in a place of honor, savoring and celebrating that one little piece of wisdom of which we can be sure, pulling it out whenever there is a new question, a new issue, acting as if that piece of wisdom is self-sustaining and as if it is enough on its own to sustain us. In acting like this, we are forgetting the next crucial step. What is needed is to bring our piece of the wisdom tree back together with the others, to stand together on the roots of what wisdom we have. We do have wisdom within us, but it is not enough to hold and savor just the wisdom we can grasp. Our peace needs to be added to the others. It is difficult to walk a good spiritual path solo. It helps to be in relationship with, to a community where your wisdom can be made more whole, challenged, and where it can have fresh life breathe into it by touching it again and again to its roots, by bringing it together with the wisdom others carry with them. Then, if lightning strikes, if all the places you used to go to learn are ruined, if all the things you used to know for sure are gone, just hold up your piece of wisdom. I'll be holding mine, and we'll find each other. Now is the time in our service when we entered the quietness together. Quiet is something that nourishes our souls. Sometimes it's the only quiet we get all week. Let us now breathe together in an attitude of meditation and prayer where we can listen to God as we understand God or listen to our inner wisdom or just follow our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. Let us enter the wise silence together. Today, I'm going to talk about our mission statement. I'm going to start the series of sermons on the mission statement. It's short, so it won't be a long series, but I'm talking about community today. And I don't know what community is. I've read a couple of books about it this week, and they're all really different. Um, but the one that was the most interesting was Seth Godin's book, Tribes. And he talked about a community, again, as a voluntary association of people with a leader and an idea and a way to communicate. And he talked about uh, Grateful Dead and how they changed the whole music business just by, they only ever had one top 40 album, but they had rabid fans and fans who worshipped that music and that experience of being with the dead and hearing them and... um, so they had a leader, it was Jerry, and they had an idea which was 
being a deadhead is who I am, and I love this experience. And I don't, I was there, but I don't remember how we communicated back then. <laughs> they didn't have email, so I'm not sure how they did it. But um, now we have email, and so we can communicate. And I think we, many people are in many different tribes, and this Unitarian Universalist tribe in Austin. Uh, has a, at least one leader, has many leaders in the congregation, and Chris, who is a marvelous leader, and Lane and Brent. And so we have this idea that tells us where we're going and what we're about to do. And I want to tell you about my sense of belonging when I found the Unitarian Universalist congregation in Spartanburg, South Carolina. I was a Presbyterian minister and had been one for 15 years. I was the college chaplain at the local college. Um, and because they didn't know what a bad Presbyterian I was, <laughs> they asked me to come speak and they said, we don't want any of that Presbyterian stuff. So <laughs> will you come and will you read the, the website and will you find out about Unitarian Universalism and come preach something like that? Well, I was getting ready to, to preach and somebody was droning on and on about something, um, it had a lot of acronyms in it. I didn't understand what they were saying. And I was reading the back of the hymnal, and I just thought, oh, my goodness, they've got Denise Levertoff in here. They have Adrian Rich. They have T.S. Eliot and Rabindranath Tagore. And they have – they. I love these poets, and I – feel at home here. And then they had this thing called Joys and Sorrows, which was an open mic time where people could come. And I was comfortable with that. It was like a Baptist prayer meeting with prayer requests. You know, people would come and say, well, you know, I think my sister's having an affair. <laughs> which is the best thing about prayer requests. <laughs> but these were a little bit different. Um, this lady stood up and she said, I have a joy. I saw a pileated woodpecker in my backyard this morning. And I just thought, these people are different. <laughs> And I kept sneaking to come back. I was married to another Presbyterian minister, so I was the minister's wife at his church. Um, but I was gone every now and then, and so I tried once a month to go to the Unitarian Universalist Church. And then as my marriage was ending, I, uh, I switched my ordination to the Unitarian Universalist denomination so I could be... Uh, part of this denomination. I should have belonged in the Presbyterian Church. I have a, a last name that's famous in the Presbyterian Church. If anybody had belonged there, it should have been me, but I did not feel a sense of belonging there. I felt like I was loved in a kind of an impersonal way, in spite of who I was. And, um, and that's how God loves you in the Presbyterian Church, kind of God loves you in spite of your faults. It's, it's, uh, because he's good like that. And and I, I didn't want to be loved in spite of who I was. I wanted just to be part of something. I wanted to belong. 
And I felt a sense of belonging. I felt I found my tribe. I found my people. I don't know how many of you grew up in the Unitarian Universalist Church or how many of you have had that sense of finding your people um, here or in another UU church, but it is wonderful. And so uh, I, I became the minister of that church eventually. Um, it was a small congregation, but it grew. And it became the kind of lively community that was a crucible for what I call the creative. That's one of my words for God, the creative. I get that from the I Ching. Um, so it was a crucible for the creative. It became a church where if somebody had an idea, people would talk to them about it, flesh it out, gather some more people who might be interested, and then help and support that person do what they really wanted to make happen with the church. And um, it was a weird group because it was the only liberal game in town. And so 30% of the congregation was LGBTQ, and a big proportion of the congregation was blue-collar shift work in factories. Some of the congregation was on um, disability, so had very little money. It was a, it had lots of different classes of people. We, we're supposed to pretend there aren't classes in America, but there are, and you know there are. So there were lots of different kinds of people. There were Trinitarian Christians there who were there because they were gay and there was no other church that would be their home. Um, it was, it was hard to, um, find people of color who would come and feel or be safe in that congregation. Um, we say we want diversity and those among us who are people of color, um, come to a Unitarian congregation, and sometimes it's difficult to stay because people say stupid things. Um, I understand how that can happen easily. One of my dearest friends uh, a couple days ago said something really stupid to me about being gay. And I know she loves me. I know she didn't mean it, but she, you know, she said, well, I don't think you look gay, but... Um, maybe it's just because I already loved you before I knew you were gay. And anyway, I'm just like, I, uh, I don't know how to parse what was wrong with that. Um, <laughs> just felt that. And so we say things like that to one another. And yet in this congregation, I can think of, three or four people of color who came and were generous and tolerant, even though their second visit, Tim and Teresa came together. Everybody assumed that they were married, but Tim is gay, gay, gay. And um, he is an AIDS educator, as is Teresa. That's how they know each other. They came, and, and the, next, the next week, the president of the congregation went up to them and said, would you be on our multicultural task force? Um, and I was just like, y'all, I'm so sorry. Just go, come over here and sit down. Don't, you don't have to be on the multicultural task force. Um, and then the choir started singing uh, spirituals. It, and Tim, who is still important in my life, um, 
Brother Tim said, those spirituals, my dad was the bishop of our church growing up, and he he said, my dad was gay, 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 too. He loved those purple robes. He said, um, <laughs> he called that music trash, trash, trash. And he said, I wouldn't have any of that trashy music in my church. <laughs> so had a little quiet word with the choir director. Anyway, and Tim had a twisted sense of humor, too. He came up to me the very first day. This is a way to, this is a trial by fire for a Southern UU minister. He comes up to me, puts his hand on my shoulder, and goes, where do the colored folks sit in this room? <laughs> I was just, uh, 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 uh. and then he just was like, I'm just, I'm just kidding you. <sighs> anyway, he had this idea, he and Teresa, they, they were paying barbers in neighborhood barber shops to do AIDS education. And so in every barbershop that they sponsored, they had a huge bowl of condoms. And if you haven't heard that word in church yet, I'm sorry, but not sorry. They had a huge bowl of condoms and the barbers were paid $200 a month to do AIDS education with people that they were doing haircuts for. And that was working. So this congregation heard that idea and decided they loved, loved, loved it and started raising money to sponsor barbershops. I thought that was great. So the crucible for creativity was alive. They started having a coming out weekend party at this congregation. Coming out weekend is October 10th or whatever weekend is around there. And they would have a dance. And in this small southern town, people would come in looking over their shoulder and skulking in the door and um, we would dance and it was open to everybody and so this one straight couple who were good dancers um, gave lessons. There's a South Carolina dance called the Shag and they would give Shag lessons to anybody who wanted to um, learn at the party and um, two straight women decided they wanted Spartanburg, South Carolina to have a pride parade. And the church went, that's a great idea. We'll help you. We partnered up with the LGBT student union at the university in Spartanburg. And they went to the mayor and said to the mayor, Bill, we're going to have a pride parade. And he said, ladies, I wish you wouldn't. (laughs) And they said, Bill, we're going to. So you can either protect us or not. And so the police were out in force and uh, 1,500 people showed up for the pride parade. And the protesters were there. There were about 30 protesters. It was okay. The next year, 4,000 people showed up. And it was hot. It was 90 degrees and 90% humidity. I don't know if you've ever been to South Carolina, but oh, the humidity. So the drag queens were melting. (laughs) But they persevered. Now they have an earth fair where they have things like our green sanctuary does. Anyway, it was an alive congregation like this one is. This is a great congregation which is alive and which is a crucible for creativity, for the creative. And if you have an idea, my hope is that you will feel yes for your idea in this congregation. We want to support one another. We want to make one another feel 
or help one another feel belonging. So I found that church and it was like, you can sing with me if you want to. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this that brings my heart such bliss and takes away the pain of my soul, of my soul. That takes away the pain of my soul. Yeah. And in this congregation, it's big. And so it's maybe a little harder to make your way from the outer circles step by step into the inner circle where you feel it's it's in you, that feeling that I'm in the inner circle now, um, where you feel not only a sense of belonging, but a sense of ownership. Like, this is my place, and if there's something wrong with it, I'm going to help make it better. And I'm going to look out for what can be changed, and I'm going to be vocal about what I like about it. And I'm going to turn to a person I don't know and invite them to feel welcome here. Because in a church situation, you have a chance to get to know people you never would meet in the other six days of your life, and you have a chance to care for people who are from very different backgrounds from yours, different socioeconomic backgrounds, or different um, ethnic backgrounds, or different educational backgrounds, different ways of thinking, points of view, different experiences of being in America Those among us who are people of color have a very different experience of being in America than those among us who identify as white in America, who who present as white. And it is a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to speak our truth and be listened to. And this does not always happen, but this is our aspiration, that this is a place where we feel safe enough to speak the truth of our lives and to have our soul listened into being. That is what this place is. It's a crucible for caring. It's a way to, in organized ways and in disorganized ways, care for one another, people that aren't in our immediate family. We already care for them, whether they be difficult or easy. Um, But it is a good practice to be able to care for people who are different from ourselves. And there are ways of feeling more cared for, feeling more belonging here. One of the ways is to get to know the minister. Um, I have moved to what I call far north Austin, but other people call it Pflugerville. And, um, And so I'm in town for longer stretches of time, free for lunches and dinners quite often. And so I would love to have lunches or dinners. Just email me. And another way is to be a member of a small group in the congregation. We have formal small groups called Chalice Circles. And we have the choir, and we have the People of Color group, and we have the White Allies group, and we have the Alphabet Soup group, which is LGBTQIAA+. Uh, all those, that's why they call it alphabet soup, because it changes as we become more evolved. And um, 
So, and there were all the social action teams doing projects all the time. And um, we now have someone here in Sanctuary because you all are courageous. And um, he is a lovely person. At least he seems to be. I've met him three times. He seems great. And you all are saving his life, basically, not to put too fine a point on it. So this is a congregation that is a crucible for caring in all different ways. And I felt you caring for me when I was in the deepest part of my long, slow disaster. Um, Some of you all sent cards and some called and some um, kept a distance. I, I assume that you were letting me have my sabbatical. And so no matter how you responded, I feel your support and affection. Um, When I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down beneath my sorrow's ground, friends. To me gathered round, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Friends to me gathered around, O oh my soul. At the end of a sabbatical, which this is, you start a new ministry. That's what we're told. That's what we're taught. I think it's very auspicious that we're starting a new ministry and re-examining our mission at the same time. It's very auspicious that at some time in this fall, permitting of the city of Austin, uh, allowing us, we will begin um, construction as we try to make our space more welcoming. Right now it's November, so we're, we're, holding, our, we're holding our hope and our, and our fingers are crossed. So um, there are so many unexciting things that have to happen when you're doing a renovation. <laughs> you know, if you want to know about them, I'm happy to talk to you about them. But I don't want to bore everybody with like water pipes and water pressure and sprinkle heads, and it's just endless. <laughs> but fortunately, I don't do most of it. Chris does. <laughs> And Brian Moore and the building team. But I just feel that it must be endless. <laughs> from just watching you all do it. So it's auspicious the beginning of a new ministry here. You don't have a new minister. But we are making a new mission statement. And even if we keep it exactly the same, it will be spiffed up and understood and discussed and talked about. And there will be ownership from people who weren't here six years ago. One of the things that I love about this congregation is that when it starts something new, we ask ourselves, who do we want to become as individuals and as a community? Who do we want to be? What do we want to do? What do we want to accomplish? What are we already accomplishing that you may not know about? It can be a crucible for curiosity. And I'm sorry about the alliteration with everything starting with C. It just happened last night about 8 o'clock. I was like, oh, I know how to remember this sermon in my head. (laughs) 
Because curiosity is a holy thing, my friends. Curiosity is an engine. And if we ask ourselves, who shall we become? How shall we do it? How shall we relate to each other while we do that? What shall be our guiding idea? We have it already. We just want to express it. How shall we express our guiding idea? We can do anything with a group like this. We can do anything in this world. And it's not only this group that's in this room. Our tribe is nationwide, even global, because of the Internet. We're on the Internet, and so people write me from all over the world saying, I've been watching your church. I've been watching your sermons. I've been, I feel like a part of your congregation. There are churches all over the country starting to think about becoming sanctuary churches. Who do they call? They call us because you had the courage to step out because we were curious. (laughs) What's going to happen if we do this? We don't know. (laughs) And it's okay to be curious when it's okay to make a mistake because if if it didn't work out, we would just go, okay, that didn't work out. We'll do something different. So my friends, I wish you community. I wish you community here, and I'm very glad to see your faces again. To love and to all friends, I will sing, I will sing. To love and to all friends, I will sing. To love and to all friends who pain and sorrow men with thanks until the end. Please sing the benediction with me to love and to all friends with thanks until the end. Uh, who pain and sorrow mend with thanks until the end. To love and to all friends I will sing, I will sing. To love and to all friends I will sing. To love and to all friends who pain and sorrow mend with thanks until the end. With thanks until the end, I will sing, I will sing. With thanks until the end, I will sing. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.com dot o r g